Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. What is the creator economy and why should you care? And what if you're a creator or a brand and you want to know how to not just build a community, but how to make your community successful, social, and a place where people really want to spend time? To find out, we're talking with Michelle Goad, a pioneer who focuses on three of our favorite topics, commerce, creators, and community. Michelle's done it all, starting as a fashion designer and buyer to becoming the co-founder and CEO of PS Department, which was a venture-backed mobile shopping app that pioneered conversational commerce and social commerce. Most recently, she was at Nike. Yep, Nike leading Gen Z innovation, where she was the creator of Nike's first move in the social commerce space, beginning with NBG, a social app for Gen Z. Today, she's an operating partner at the Chernin Group and runs her own innovation studio. So yeah, let's just say Michelle knows what she's talking about. So today, we're going to talk to Michelle about the power and impact of teenage girls, multi-brand commerce, what brands can learn from Shein, and why short-form video is eating the world. Welcome to this episode of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Jamie Goodfriend, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Emma Harmon or Ashley Rudder, will be hosting this podcast. So let's get into the interview with Michelle Goad. Roll the intro, please. <laughs> Everything is better with creators, the podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batosi. Hello, Michelle Goad. I'm so excited to have you on our Everything is Better with Creators podcast. Big yay. I'm I'm so excited to be here. This is going to be so fun. Well, you know, the thing is about podcasts, sometimes we have to study and I have to do a lot of uh, prep. But since I've been a longtime fan of yours, I, I feel like it was much easier. The prep was a lot easier because you talk about some of our favorite things, my personal things, creators, commerce, and community. So we're going to dive into that today. Uh, but before we get started, I, I wanted you to just tell the audience and really about your unique background. I, you know, you, you spent some time at Nike and you've been sort of very public about 
this life change you had, I think it'll be good to explain who, who is Michelle Goad? Who the heck am I? Um, thank you so much for having me. First of all, this is uh, really fun. So I uh, think about my career in kind of three chapters. Uh, the first was I just wanted to learn everything about commerce. Like, who do I need to be in that world? I love the business of making and selling things. So I, I literally have done every job. Uh, I was a designer. I was a buyer, merchandiser, brand marketer. Um, and that was kind of the first kind of decade almost in my career. And then after the iPhone came out, I just had this moment where I was like, oh my God, this is going to change absolutely everything. And that's all I want to do. It's all I'm looking at and I'm fascinated with it. And so in 2011, I actually started working on a startup idea, um, ultimately left and founded a company led as CEO called PS Department. We really pioneered the concept of conversational commerce painfully early in the space. And I built that business over six and a half years. We grew it to eight figures. It was a marketplace business. So was signing on brands really early on, really bringing the luxury fashion and women's fashion space into the mobile world and really thinking about how we could bridge one-to-one commerce at scale, right? When you have these moments in your life where you really just um, need someone to to serve you in a, in a more premium, high touch way. We built that channel, and a lot of the the work that I've done in social commerce actually started at that moment, so early. But just seeing, you know, people were looking at Instagram, getting inspired, and where do you buy the stuff, right? That you're seeing, and so. We, I, I joke that we were kind of the fulfillment arm of Instagram <laughs> without officially being it, but that's really what what uh, what got us to product market fit. So I ran that business for six and a half years. Um, ultimately, you know, the margins were really tough. It's an affiliate. It was affiliate business. We were pioneering that space too. And um, you know, when I was looking at okay, where's the future of this business going to go? We were talking to all sorts of you know great multi brand partners in the space, in the fashion space, as you can imagine. But Nike was actually one of those people at the table and they had just announced a D2C play. um, And that was really my background. I had, you know, a million years before that launched Barneys.com. Like I just loved that world. And I was like, oh, you're trying to go direct to consumer. That is exactly where you should be going. And I want to get on that rocket ship. So uh, they ultimately bought us out of our company, came to Nike. So I'm now a startup founder. You know, we had like a 25 person team. I've dropped in an 80,000 person organization <laughs> at, you know, the top. And it was a really big change for me, but change is good for you. Right. So, uh, my first job was really digital transformation in the direct to consumer arm. It was in digital product and retail and really helping the business understand how to serve consumers and drive LTV. And then uh, I just really missed building after kind of uh, doing that for a couple of years. And so there was an opportunity and innovation at Nike to really lean into Gen Z. And it was interesting because what I was watching at that time was two companies that kind of, I would say almost no one was really getting fired up and talking about internally at Nike at the time. And this was Shein and this was TikTok. And the interesting part about both of these companies and how they entered our market was that they rode that off the backs of teen girls. And this is a segment that so few brands and businesses are doubling down and focusing on. And here was Nike saying, hey, we really want to focus in this area. And I was like, oh, this is a win-win for me. I mean, this is a fascinating consumer. And I'd never 
you know, serve people without credit cards, right? And and what are these girls into and what do they think about? So took that job, ran that, uh, you know, overseeing Gen Z innovation for two and a half years, did so much testing, so much work. A big part of that all ended up being, of course, doubling down in social commerce. We both built a native product that, you know, we can talk about how how brands get in this game. Should the platforms own that experience or can a big brand own the experience? And then on the inverse side, uh, of course, launching that test and uh, scaling on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube, et cetera. And, you know, after doing that, I actually had a kid last year and had a moment to pause and think, I actually think this is really going to be the future of not just you know, a small uh, piece of the pie. I think this is the future of everything given where the eyeballs and attention are. So um, decided to leave Nike's or consulting and am now an operating partner at TCG, the churning group, which is really focused on this sort of intersection of content and commerce and community. And I'm really excited about the work we're doing there. And then I also have an innovation studio that I've stood up to really build some of the things that I feel like are missing in this world of how do we connect all these parties together. So that's me in a nutshell. I, I'm, I'm such a fangirl. Okay. So I, I want to unpack a few things here. Uh, there's no audience scarier than teenage girls. They're, they're such a powerful force and I share your obsession, but I will add in, I'm, I'm terrified of them, but um and we do share that passion for Gen Z. And I totally agree with you. And if it isn't Gen Z, I mean, it, it is Gen Z right now. But what I always like to try to explain to people is, and that's where I remember actually meeting, hearing of you first was PS department when I was at uh, intelligence group and right. And we were doing the Cassandra report and you were a real standout. But if you look, if you want to see the future, you have to look at what kids are doing and namely teenage girls because they're onto everything. That's their job in life. That is into their DNA. And so by doing that, you can really anticipate where things are going. And I know you didn't call it social commerce, but but that's what it what it was at the time that you were thinking about. Um, and you had an interesting insight that I, you were talking about recently in 2019 that sparked your commentary about something that nobody really talks about is Etsy. And I'm obsessed with what they're doing. And you were the first person I saw to talk about it. So can you tie that together? So you had this insight and now you're seeing it on Etsy and how it ties into social commerce. Totally. So I had a moment in, I think it it must've been 2019. I feel like that was my kind of step change where I started to think about the future of multi-brand commerce, right? And looking at and hearing the voices of these girls, and this is US-specific research that we did, but almost none of them were talking about going online and shopping in multi-brand digital commerce. And I thought about it. And if you think about these girls, right? I, I joke, like teen girls actually run all of our product roadmaps. We just don't acknowledge them in the room. But if you think about these girls, they're going to the mall and then they're spending their time on social and they're converting probably at the brand level on the PDP, right? When they see something, they're inspired. And so where does a multi-brand digital play fit into that, right? It's it's tough to get in, in front of that consumer. And there's some amazing standouts that have done it, but it's tough. So if you think on the macro level, if multi-brand digital commerce is actually not going to continue to, to grow it might stay flat, it might decline. Who takes the place of that for a brand? And for me, that was just this, okay, well, it's the platforms, 
right? Like if they just turned on native commerce, where you point that consumer can be completely determined by the platforms. And as a big brand, you know, in my thinking, it was like, oh gosh, that gives them a lot of power, right? Like you're now, you're not negotiating with your traditional wholesale partners. You're negotiating with the biggest media companies in the world. And when I thought about it, you know, my thinking was, well, what if you're a big enough brand? Could you actually build some of this muscle yourself? Meaning why should the social platforms be the only players that get to develop a social commerce-like experience natively? And so we sought out to build that exactly. Um, we launched a pilot called NBG, Nothing But Gold, Nike by Gen Z, that did this and really looked at, can we build social features? Can we start with community? Can we feature the consumer purely in our experience natively? And will we see the same type of sessions that the platforms are seeing themselves, right? And the answer was really fascinating. Right when we launched, you know, the entire home feed experience, you know, you imagine dipping into TikTok, Instagram, all integrated into an experience, all featuring, of course, Nike at the time. And the sessions, the usage, all of it was exponentially higher than a traditional feed format of a brand where you're typically, you know, showing your marketing collateral only. So session frequency was super high. And then the next step was these girls were seeing that they were tagged in these feeds because we were featuring them, getting permission, et cetera. And then they were going back and trying to connect with each other. Because they want, they were like, oh, this girl's into sneakers or this girl's into, you know, volleyball, whatever. I want to connect her because I, I found her and I saw her on MBG. She must be into the same things as me. And they were going back. Pause there. So I want to just make sure it's really clear. So walk us through a little bit more of that user experience when you say the feed and then they were getting tagged because I know this is natural to you. I, it's so fascinating, but I want to make sure we we really dive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the best comp right now is actually to go and look at the Etsy feed because they're doing the exact same playbook. And I think it's so smart. But really what it is, is integrating all of the tags that you have on TikTok and Instagram for your brand, curating that, and then tagging product that's available to buy in that moment. And so it's a curated feed of community, but it is real-time and it is exactly like social, right? It's just your world. And when you would go and you would look, it's this beautiful community, right? That's flexing in your brand. And within each post, we would tag the content creator, right? And when you tapped it, it would take you to the original post. And that's what the girls were doing. They were going and finding each other because they wanted to connect, right? They wanted to build this community, because, you know, how else do you find like-minded people? And so right away, my brain was like, oh my gosh, brands are literally going to have to build their own social networks because you want to own that, right? You want to host that community and foster that community yourself. And so when I saw the Etsy execution, I got so fired up because they're working off that same insight, right? This is about community and your consumer and putting them at the forefront, allowing them to participate in your brand versus using just the traditional sort of marketing collateral to try to drive users to look at your 
app, right? So that, I mean, I'm really fired up about what they're doing. I it's so too. cool and so smart. Well, it's it's the digital equivalent of people standing in line at Apple to get the new phone. You see the people in line and you find your people. And again, I think community is the least understood aspect of marketing right now. And we're going to get into that in depth because it's it's a huge, huge upside and it actually has a lot of downside if you don't do it. But fascinating to me that people aren't doing it. Um- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, but here, I'll just throw something that's a bit provocative back at you. Do I, if, so TikTok, for example, and, and obviously Whaler does a lot of work with TikTok, but what we hear from consumers and creators is that they don't want to give TikTok their credit card information. They don't really want to give any platform their credit card information for shopping. So, and I know you had a really good list of pros and cons between, about brands, retailers, consumers, and platforms. What are the, who do you think are the likely winners here in this? If, if somebody wakes up and says, oh my God, you're right, we got to do this. Who do you think is best poised to win? Uh, it, that is a very provocative question because I think it actually matters what the core strengths of a company are. Mm-hmm. And when I look at a company like Shein, for example, who is clearly a tech company, they are a consumer tech company that happens to sell stuff to people. I think they are absolutely positioned to win this space because they can work at the speed of the consumer. They ship updates, et cetera. I mean, unparalleled, right? In retail. When you look at more of a legacy brand trying to pull off that same clip of innovation they would need to on the the tech side, I think that's where I get a little, not bearish, but it's just going to be harder for them to do. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the flip side, on the tech is this is all they do, right? This is all they do. This is all they think about shipping product updates, making the experience amazing. But on the flip side of that, you totally nailed it. What is retailing? It's trust, right? It's like, okay, if something goes wrong, there's a person I can call, right? There's a way to fix it. And there's a customer service element. I mean, it's trust and service, right? Like that's what we're doing. How in the world do you think about calling someone at Instagram if your order goes wrong? You know, these are just like unsurmountable, right? Because it goes back to, you know, when the quote unquote internet and e-commerce first started to really gain footing, we used to say, well, if you could go to Vogue or Elle and just click and buy right from the magazine, what a perfect world that would be. And various companies have tried to do that, uh, but not successfully. Even those companies have tried to do it. It just, it doesn't quite work. It's a really interesting dynamic. And also, then if you look at it from the other way, uh, you know, the PDP page is the left-handed, red-headed stepchild. I, I'm, often, <laughs> I'm often saddened. I, I want to cry when I see how neglected poor PDP pages are. 
um, I have to give a shout out. I worked with a company um, when I was in the toy business called Brand 3P. And they figured out a long time ago that the PDP page can be the most beautiful experience ever. And it makes a difference. Now, the challenge for that for many brands is the sheer volume of video content that you need in general, but specifically for your PDP, which gets us into your second sort of big focal point, which I'll, I, you know, I want you to talk about, and we're going to save the best for last because we're going to get into community, but you say short form videos eating the world. Yes, it is. And especially when it comes to commerce and especially when it comes to the challenges of creating it consistently for so many different channels. And so herein lies the, the, the opportunity and challenge for companies, which is, you know, Gen Z, especially teenage girls, they want short form video. You got to give the people what they want. And that's the future. So let's talk about that for a second. Oh my gosh. Um, I, you know, when I started to think about the world of creators and TikTok and all of the, the disrupting, just disrupted in general that's happening around us, when you look at attention span, et cetera, you can make an argument people are, are always going to watch long form, of course. But I think this shift to short bite size, you know, TLDR <laughs> moments is not going away. And I look at, you know, I went to VidCon this past year and I went to VidCon pre-COVID. And just the momentum and impact, you can see the difference between what it was like in 2019 and the energy that TikTok and short form, I mean, every single platform, that is their number one priority. It's very clear. This is now a very serious um, area that people have to win over. So you look at video and you're like, okay, everybody is looking and watching and obsessed with short form video. And now that's the playbook. But I was making the same parallel when I started to click out. Oh my gosh, think about commerce right? Like you used to build these massive e-com plays. The homepage was beautiful, you know, huge brand investment going into that hero image and the video, et cetera. And now, you know, what is your e-commerce? It's a creator's post with a product tag, right? Like that's e-com now. And so like that's short form e-commerce, you know, and you could make the argument even honestly for the web itself, right? A lot of the, the, way you design a page is even changing because people used to make these like very deep blogs or just like deep, you know, websites where you have to click 17 different places to read and look who came in. It's Linktree, right? Who's like, Hey, we we're just putting five links on this and they're totally crushing it. It's just like, okay, all of this is just getting disrupted. And so when you think about what your site experience it needs to become, it, it's all those connection points and how do you collapse the steps and how do you really think about, okay, this person's going to see a short form video. Let's use that as a teaser to maybe bring them into a different type of experience. And it's not going to be the traditional landing page. It needs to be the TLDR of that, right? And I think that's a very disruptive idea for how we think about just even site design overall. The long term effects and ripple effects I think the reason, and I don't know, you tell me, but I think the reason hasn't been more recognized and quickly um, adopted is that most companies are still so siloed that the the, the team that's doing creative content 
is a it's they're a it's all horizontal, right? The video t- content team is one team. The e-commerce team is another team. The paid media team is another team. And while they may cross over for a consumer, a human being, they go across it all um, vertically. No, it's the other way around. Sorry. Up and down is vertical. I can, I can do this. Up and down is all vertical silos, but people go across it horizontally. And they're not connecting the, there's, there's like a a lack of dot connection there because if you look at what people want to do and you look at, especially let's use the teenage girl, I see the thing on TikTok. I want to buy it. I click. What does that look like? Where do you want them to go and how quickly can they just buy it? And the, there should be an, uh, a metric on uh, probably speed to purchase as as opposed to just conversion, because I think in one session, because there is no funnel for these kind of items. It's not everything, but there's no funnel. There is no, we used to have, and I was, I was talking about this with um, Hartoon Weiss at TikTok um, recently, and they're so brilliant about how they're thinking about it. That There is no, like the, the frequency models, the MMMs, all of the ways that we have been training ourselves. And they talk about unlearning things, well, this is the biggest unlearning is that, okay, so what? I used a model that I needed six times to get somebody to go down the funnel. Well, you probably don't need six. You probably need one if you do the short form video the correct way. I don't know. It's it's the Wild West to me, but I don't even think people realize how much it's going to change. Oh, I mean, I so the way I've been thinking about it, and this will probably change six months from now, but the way I've been thinking about it is I envision this pyramid, right? And at the very top of the pyramid are what I call brand catalysts. These are people that, you know, stand for your brand values. It's kind of the traditional people that brands have have signed. And what you expect from them is to really represent your brand and create content and be a like-minded, you know, partner to your brand. Uh, Those people are not the people who are going to be selling stuff for you. Like that is not the objective with that play, right? So these are the bigger audience kind of, you know, entertainment type deals. At the bottom of the pyramid are your affiliate creator partners, right? These are people that it's a groundswell effect where you're you're finding these people who have really incredible audiences that trust them, that love them, and they have a proven track record to buy. And I feel like those two types of creators just in and of themselves are so different. But every brand historically has been kind of just lumping these together, mm-hmm. hoping that there's like a either a halo effect or, you know, oh, let's see, let's try to measure ROAS off of that. And it just doesn't work. Like you need two different objectives for that alone. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's going to be a whole affiliate creator, you know, double down on just like, who are the people who can actually like really build an audience that converts and trust them almost like a retail partner. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like I think the entertainment ones, you know, measuring them off of the ability to convert is just not doing them justice. That doesn't make any sense. Well, we, you know, this is a topic we talk about a lot is, you know, digital marketing. We, we went, Oh my God, you can measure everything, but that, you know, multi-touch attribution is the, is the, is the, bane of of many people's existence. <laughs> yes, exactly. So here's another way to look at it. And maybe I and I love to reframe this. And I had this idea the other day and 
and this is, you can tell me this is crazy, but I kind of think about um, direct marketing, right? And I, I used to work mm-hmm. at Wonderman and Lester Wonderman, God love him. You know, he, he passed away a few years ago. He invented direct marketing, which was if I send you an, a, an, a letter, Michelle, and it says, dear resident, versus if I send you a letter and it's uh, an, or a, a, you know, some sort of solicitation and it says, dear Michelle Goad, it's obvious you're going to open the dear Michelle Goad. And that's a euphemism because nobody gets direct mail as much anymore than, than like those coupons. However, given that it's digital, we moved into CRM and CRM is the, is also an unloved capability because it got really boring. It got very corporate. What if you started to think about TikTok as the CRM for Gen Z? What, why couldn't we think of it as a, a nurture stream? Why couldn't we think of it as a way of, or even taking short form video and really adding it to the CRM techniques once you've got someone's data to be able to communicate with to them, not in a boring email, but in a, in a way through content that is creator driven, that's personalized. Oh my God. I love that. That's so cool. I mean, I feel like one of my missions in my career and I've said this for a long time, is to enable consumers to feel seen. And I think this idea, I mean, I love that idea where your favorite creator is acknowledging you on a personalized level. And maybe there's tech that in, that actually powers that, but it just, how special would you feel, right? If that was was a possibility that they could really acknowledge you as a fan and follower, uh, I think that would be incredible. I know th- these are this, these are the musings I have in my uh, in my old age these days because like it gets me so geeky, but I, I keep I'm waiting to see what Salesforce and Adobe come up with and and, and I'm asking them because there's got to be there's got to be something. Okay, now let's get into the big area that I'm dying to talk to you about because it lends itself to let's talk community and we've kind of brought it up th- in this conversation as a thread, but you know at a fundamental level. Um, we all know that people are tribal, they sit around the campfire, all those things. And the idea of finding your people has changed so much. And, you know, I often say, like, if you grew up in a small town and, you know, say this was years ago before before the internet, um, and you were a fan of French films, right? You would have no idea who else liked French films or foreign films until a movie came and you could see who was in the theater with you. Like there was no other way to find people that you didn't know. Obviously now with communities, if you've got something that you're interested in, no matter how niche you can find your people and being seen is important. And we call it, we call this idea. So we did a a research study in the, and the, one of the big stats that the insights that we got was people are moving away from aspiration and moving toward belonging. It's the belongingness of it. And post-pandemic, I mean, Instagram, I think, was about perfection and polish, and that's turnoffs now, and that's what, so you've got all these factors, right? But the power of community is, to me, a miss for companies. And I'd love to hear your thoughts about how do we help brands really understand that the idea of community is not the comments on your website, it's not the comments it's not the people necessarily who sign up for your website, although it, it could be or whatever it might be. It's the creator and the community that they t- 
talk amongst each other about your brand and you can be invited in, but you have to be invited in and you have to bring value. It's like Cowboys of Color or Mushroom Core or pick something. Why can't we, how do we help brands see this is the new, this like programmatic marketing? I, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Yeah. Um, this is a big topic for me because I had the biggest unlock of my life probably last year around this world. So let me set the stage. I moved from New York City to the woods of Oregon when we did this deal. So we live in the woods of Oregon. We're, you know, pandemic. Okay. Uh, I have a kid. I'm on maternity leave, right? I'm turned 40 and I'm about to leave my job. So I have all these big life changes happening at one time and I'm and embarking something new. Where am I going to find people, right? In any of those moments of time in their life, you know, people who are just having kids or people who are making career changes, right? And I would go on social, on Instagram primarily, and I'd be scrolling through content. And I just had this moment where I'm just like, this is called social media, but it's actually not social. <laughs> I'm not connecting with anyone right now. I'm consuming right. content by myself, right? Sure, you can make an argument for DMs, but not really, right? There's nothing social about it. However, you go on a product like Twitch and it feels like a damn party, right? <laughs> for these like gaming right. community and it's alive and like people are messaging with each other. It's really amazing. And so for me, I, w- I started to think about, oh my gosh, where are you going to find like-minded people or just people that are in these moments that you can connect and learn from? And so I started to really dig into this space, um, starting with the work we did for MBG, because I saw that th- th- the girls wanted to connect with each other. There was really no native products that I could find on the market at that time that enabled brands to host this stuff. And so I think we're kind of waiting for a player to come in and say, hey, we're going to help you connect your consumers with each other in a peer-to-peer way that's not just a co- like discus, you know, like the co- like OG comment thread. Like we're going to we're going to make that Twitch energy for you native. So I think we have a a moment and an opportunity for some tech to actually come out. In the meantime, I feel like a lot of brands are just like, oh, we're going to stand up a Discord channel or, oh, we're going to, you know, do a Slack group, et cetera, Facebook groups. Like everyone's kind of hacking it. But I do think that this is probably going to be the biggest unlock for how you think about retaining and serving people in your own world as a brand. Because if you don't do it, someone else will, right? There are other people who are going to be building incredibly engaged communities. They already are, by the way. And the next step for them is just flipping on commerce. And it kind of happens again, where it's like, okay, you're getting to get disrupted here. You used to own that relationship. This person is in there day in, day out, hosting community, fostering these conversations and relationships. Of course, you're going to be loyal. And, and you have, you know, going back to the original point, you have trust, right? And a totally new format. And so, you know, if I'm a brand, I'm thinking about, okay, how do I elevate this relationship like as soon as possible on my experience so that I don't have to now go and manage a third party platform? I can be the, I be be the platform, right? Brand is platform in that uh, particular move because people are going to come to you. They're going to come for connection, not just commerce. I think that's so powerful. 
anything that you're seeing that we haven't covered that you think it should be on people's radar? We didn't really talk about specifically about any creators that you love or follow could be anything you like, but what, what's out there that you want people to go take a look at? Oh my gosh. Well, I, you know, I think right now what I'm spending most of my time doing is thinking about how and who the right verticals and brands are to light up creators and influencers, using them differently, uh, to really start to tell their story on their behalf and almost thinking of them as part of your payroll. Like they're actually part of your team. They are, you know, ambassadors, but also they're there to help you accelerate and, and build a growth channel that maybe you haven't tapped into before. And I, you know, it's fascinating because I've been doing this for so long. I always make this assumption that everybody's already doing it. It is like, you know, a big part of their strategy. And the reality is it's not. And there's a ton of verticals out there that haven't tapped into this area. And so I've been really getting excited thinking about what are those, you know, I call them just like, it's like everybody kind of has the same, uh, you know, to-do list, right, on the on their day. And what are those moments where you can take something that's boring? I use home organization as an example. And everybody has this shared thing where they have to like organize their home. And what are what are who the people out there making it fun? Right? Like I have to do the dishes every day. Like who's out there making this fun? And and then thinking about, okay, what's the commerce business that, that hasn't tapped into that? Like that's the stuff that gets me really fired up. Um, and you know, I'm just looking, always looking for those opportunities. Well, I'm a huge fan of clean talk and I drive everybody in my family. Ah, crazy. Somehow, I, I, I never learned all this stuff. So I've become obsessed. So the next time you're uh, doing something in your home organization or cleaning area, just let me know and we can <laughs> Thank you. Do music or something. It's a fright. <laughs> it's a frightening habit that I, I should probably not share. Amazing. Michelle, though, this is Unbelievable. I am so grateful for your time. I can't wait to continue with these conversations. And for anybody listening, Michelle and I are now going to go out and um, write up a, a, a pitch and we're going to be uh, circling around raising funds for our new. <laughs> <laughs> Call me. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much, Michelle. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate the journey to the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the opportunity. Make sure to check out more from Weller and all things at the intersection of a talent network, brand partnerships, technology and creativity at whaler.com follow us on instagram twitter and linkedin for everything is better with creators i'm jamie goodfriend we'll catch you next time with creators is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com.